I feel the need to delve into the mystery But to say something you might not understand To swim a leaf in the sorrow of this place Sustained by unseen hands, well, I feel need to sing a song that wrestles with divine notion that blood atones, the death completes, the joy can supersede emotion. Welcome, everyone. Uh, it's so good to be here with you uh, this morning. Uh, we are gathered together in His presence, um, and each Sunday as we gather, we we are uh, talking about, proclaiming, singing about Jesus, His death and resurrection, uh, and and the new life that He's given to us. And and today, let's also remember that after the resurrection, He ascended to. To the heavens and he sits there ruling and reigning over all creation so today we gather and celebrate him and worship him together this is what luke writes in acts one the book that follows his gospel in my former book theophilus i wrote about all that jesus began to do 
and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Mm. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid from him, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Please uh, pray with me. Jesus, we come, I come before your presence uh, because not only do you reign up in the sky uh, with all power and, and knowledge, but you are here with us through your Holy Spirit. So we want to remember uh, your, both your exaltation and your power, but also your humiliation and, and how you've humbled yourself uh, to be here with us. So we worship you. We praise you this morning. Amen. Here we are together, standing in the presence of the Lord. Here we are together, telling the story of the Lord. Sing that again, here we are. Here we are together, standing in the presence of the Lord. Here we are together, telling the story of the
turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who cares. You turn graves into gardens. We're going to hear verses from Psalm 97, 98, 99, and 100. There's a pattern. Psalm 97 starts with, the Lord reigns. Psalm 98 follows with, make a joyful noise, all the earth. Psalm 99 again says, the Lord reigns. And Psalm 100 follows with, make a joyful noise, all the earth. Also, these Psalms share a key theme about how God reigns and what makes us make a joyful noise. It's God's justice and righteousness as the king over all people and things. Listen, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Zion hears and is glad. 
And the daughters of Judah rejoice because of our judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Please pray with me. Lord, like we were just singing, we make a joyful noise to you with all creation. You reign with justice and righteousness. You turn shame into glory. You make beauty from ashes. You turn graves into gardens. You establish equity and righteousness on, on earth. You are the hope of all the earth. Lord Jesus, by ascending to the heaven, you show that you rule all things. You are the one these Psalms are talking about. We praise you, Lord. Lord, you reign with justice and righteousness. You are the hope of all peoples. You are the vindicator of all those who suffer, all who are oppressed, all who are treated as nothing, all who are forgotten, and all who are thrown aside. The character of your rule and your judgment is beyond our comprehension. It's too just and too good and too powerful for us, for us to really understand and even to imagine. But Father, we praise you. Even with our limited understanding, all alongside all who are oppressed, we make a joyful noise to you, Lord of all. We praise you, Lord. Lord, you reign over all the earth. Let all peoples and all things know you and experience your rule. Let them all know your power to heal and transform. We think about next week's baptisms and we thank you for the new life you've given to us. We pray for those who are getting baptized, that mm -hmm. they would be constantly filled with joy and praise to you. We pray for more people to experience your new life and get baptized. We yes. love to see more of your turning graves into gardens and ashes into beauty. Mm. We praise you, Lord. Amen. 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 Every Amen. Sunday, we spend some time saying hi to each other, expressing the peace of Christ to each other. You can text someone. You can write it in the chat. You can talk to someone next to you. We have been in Cambodia for about 25 years now, and most of that time was in the rural areas, which we really liked. We knew that God was sending us to the city, and I had no idea what to do. It wasn't hard to find the neighborhood behind our house along the railroad tracks because the train comes through several times a day. There's children playing and growing up all where life has to stop and you move the kids off the track when the train comes through. I've always tried to minister to the kids. I just feel it's my responsibility to tell anybody that is little and might be missed. They come and start screaming at the gate teacher, teacher, are you home? And I'd start opening the gate and they'd come in and then once that happened, you have to teach them about Jesus. 
I just put out a mat and the kids would come and sit down and we'd do a Bible study together. And there was one child whose mother called him monkey child who was really the worst of all of them. It was very hard for me to hold on to him and also pay attention to the other kids. And this girl, this older girl, started coming and she'd pull him off to the side and that turned out to be Ali. I remember seeing Heather pass by the railroad tracks on her way to the market. Her smile and her laugh filled me with hope. When she started meeting with the neighborhood kids, I went to help with my little brother. But really, I was there for myself. Heather invited me to a house where she taught me more about Jesus. We would sing and pray together. I began to feel close to Heather, and I would go to her when things were difficult at home. She had deep emotional wounds for sometimes a week at a time she would be silent. And she also had a lot of spiritual oppression. One night she sat there for a long time trying to get up her nerve to say something and finally she started telling the story of her family. Ali's mother was just constantly drunk. I would step over her, passed out on the road. Ali had to take over the responsibilities of the family and take care of the other children. But she had no one to defend her. She had been abused by the men in her family in ways that no little girl should ever be. She also shared that in order to make money, her family sold her to other men. Sometimes I was overcome with darkness and I would fall into a deep depression. My grandmother would take me to the witch doctor, but I was never healed. Heather wept with me and told me that if I would trust in Jesus, he would help me and heal me. I decided to trust him and I saw that he was more powerful than the dark spirits. Life is still difficult and I'm still healing, but I'm no longer alone. I know I can depend on Jesus. As we started to work her out of the physical problems and the emotional problems, I started thinking and asking God, what, what am I gonna do to get her someplace safe? Heather told me lots of stories from her time teaching at the rural Bible school before coming to Phnom Penh. Her students were like family to her. One day, Heather asked me if I would like to attend the Bible school. I thought that because of my family situation, I wouldn't be able to go. But God worked a miracle and provided everything I needed. Just like Heather said, the students became a family to me. I was safe, I had a new hope, and I grew closer to Jesus. Today, I'm a changed person. She did very well. Her teachers even say that she is the best preacher of her group, which is pretty amazing for a kid who couldn't speak when they started. There's such hopelessness along those railroad tracks. There's no way out unless someone is there to lift you out and show you Jesus, and then Jesus can, can get you out of this situation. And Ali is now able to do that for the other members of her family. It was no accident that Heather came to the railroad tracks. It was God's plan. I see children around me who don't have parents that pay attention to them or teach them or provide for them. I see them experiencing the same things I did. And I can help them and show them who Jesus is. I don't think there's any way that I can go out and explain the gospel to somebody clearly enough so that they can become a believer on my own. But I can go to the place where God is sending me and I can talk to the people that God is putting in my path especially when God tells me that this person is important, you should, you should spend more time with this person. And then God can use me to say the things that he wants to say to that person, to lead them to know him. There are times that I doubt God, that I wonder, is he really real? Because things seem so awful. And then I look at Ali, and there's no other explanation for the changes that I've seen in her life, except that there really is a God and he really does care and he really can change things for the better. Well, good morning again. Um... If you're visiting us today for the first time, we're, we're so glad you're here with us. Uh, welcome. Uh, please do let us know that you visited. Uh, we would love to uh, get in touch with you. Um, here are a few things that are happening in our church community. Um, just like you saw just now the video about Heather and her work in Cambodia, we actually will have Heather and her husband, Jeff, uh, come 
to be with us next weekend. Next weekend is our missions weekend, uh, and we'll focus on Cambodia and all that God is doing. I'm really excited to meet Heather and Jeff and can just hear about all that God is doing uh, there. Um, I, I think it's so easy for us to be stuck in our our small world. And and at times we, we just need to be reminded that God is great and God is working. And so um, won't you prepare your hearts uh, this week just in, in prayer and scripture and just pray for this coming weekend. Let's pray that God would use Jeff and Heather to really speak to us and bless our church community. Uh, they'll be here with us the whole weekend from Friday to Sunday, and, and they'll be meeting with various groups of people. Um, I want to encourage you to engage with uh, the things that we've set up. You can find out more information on our webpage, uh, different things that they will be part of. Um, again, uh, what a what a privilege that we have this coming weekend to host Jeff and Heather, who's been in Cambodia for over 20 years. Uh, let's, again, prepare and pray and just expect great things from God. Um, this coming Tuesday, we uh, we will be praying for uh, not just our church, um, but things that God is doing around the world, especially through our uh, district national leaders and district leaders. Um, uh, this is a, a time where we will gather and just, just pray about uh, yeah, what God is doing around us through our district leaders and, and our national leaders of, of our denomination. So if you're interested in that, please come on out this, uh, this Tuesday and pray with us. Uh, Fellowship Spring Picnic, uh, May 31st. I believe that's Memorial Day um, at uh, 12 o'clock, I think, or maybe 1 o'clock at Barcroft Park. Uh, we'll have have a picnic. It's been a while since we've been together, and um, as more and more people are getting vaccinated and just being out and about, uh, we would love to gather together to just fellowship uh, and just encourage one another. Just even being there, and so I want to invite you to come out and also ask you to invite others, other friends who might just just want community and fellowship and just um, build friendship. So. Uh, again, that's uh, May 31st. Uh, please mark that time and date and please come on out. Um, and next weekend, next actually uh, Sunday, May 23rd at the Washington International Church at 2 p.m., we will be having our outdoor baptism service. In some ways, this is this is the climax of our church uh, ministry calendar. Uh, we typically do this on Easter weekend, but because of the situation uh, this year, we pushed it back. And next Sunday, we get to celebrate uh, people's faith, uh, how, how God uh, has uh, embraced them and loved them and people who've trusted in Him. And so we're going to do that together. I uh, want to really encourage you to come out. Uh, street parking is free. Uh, and it's also about 10 minutes from Tenley Town Metro Stop. And so... Uh, Again, bring bring friends, uh, others who might be interested in, in just in observing what, what God's doing and what God has done. Um, for those of you who cannot make it, uh, we will live stream the service. So you could uh, find out information about that on our webpage. I just want to encourage you to bring your blankets and chairs. We'll be sitting down um, yeah, in, in their lawn, which is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty big. And we'll observe and celebrate the baptism together next Sunday. All right. Um, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer. And so we come to the last section of the Lord's Prayer. And so let's go ahead and read this section again, uh, the whole Lord's Prayer again. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We'll start from verse 7 and then we'll read uh, up to verse 14. Again, this is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father who forgive, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. This is God's word. We're going to zoom in and focus on verse 13. It says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, when I was reading this section and, and came to verse 13 and, and thought about uh, this particular petition that Jesus taught us to pray, um, what, I, what, I immediately, what immediately came to my mind was the fact that we don't pray this prayer. How infrequently we offer up prayers like this about temptations and an evil one. Um, and, and I begin to ask, why is that? Why don't we pray this type of prayer more often? Um, and how do we begin to pray this kind of prayer? What does that look like? And so um, I want to kind of answer that question by giving you three things. I think if we want to make this part, make this phrase or this verse a regular part of our prayer life, we need to recognize three things. So number one. We need to recognize the spiritual warfare in our Christian life, right? Let, let me repeat that. We need to recognize, if we're going to pray this prayer, right? Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If we are going to understand what this means and really begin to pray this prayer, we need to recognize the spiritual warfare in our Christian life. The writers of the Bible, especially the New Testament, gives us, uh, give us different pictures and metaphors to help us understand what the Christian life is like. So one metaphor is of a marriage, right? Uh, the Christian life is like a marriage between husband and wife. That Christ is our bridegroom and we are his bride. And so he is committed to us. He loves us. And in response, we love him back. We are devoted to him. So that gives us a picture of what the Christian life should be like. It's about devotion and love towards our bridegroom, right? Another metaphor that we have in the Bible is a Christian life is like a race, right? Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of that book says, make sure you, you set your eyes on the prize, which is Christ. He's our goal. That's where we're headed. And then make sure that you take off, put away, Put aside things that will get in the way, things that weigh you down, right? So you take that off and you run with perseverance. And that helps us to think about the Christian life. You're right. Uh, my, my goal is, my passion is to, to know Jesus. And I make sure that nothing gets in the way and I pursue him. I run after him. That, that gives us a, a picture of what the Christian life is like. Another powerful uh, a, a picture that, that the Bible gives us is, is this, that Christian life is a war. Right? Christian life is a battle. And look at, look at some of these verses from the New Testament. The Apostle Peter, in his book, 1 Peter writes this. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him, right? Um, he says, we have an enemy and he's like a lion that's about to devour us. He's waiting to devour us. If you've seen uh, YouTube videos of lions attacking uh, their prey, uh, they attack suddenly and viciously. I mean, they come out of nowhere and viciously attack their, their prey. I mean, that's the, that's the picture of the Christian life. We have this enemy who is seeking to devour us, to destroy us. Another, another uh, section uh, from the Apostle Paul's letter to Ephesians, he says in chapter 6, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And why do you put on armor? Well, it's because you're about to go into a battle, right? He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
And then he goes on to say, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Right? I mean, this is a similar thing. Paul is saying, there's this war. You're, you're about to engage in this battle. Make sure that you have your armor on you. What's the picture? I mean, the picture is a, a picture of, of, of war, of a fight, a battle, struggle. That's another way to see the Christian life. Now, some of you might be asking, well, I, I thought Christian life was about having peace and joy and celebration. And it is that, right? No matter what happens, what's happening around us, we can have peace and we can rejoice because we have the Spirit of God in us. But at the same time, the Bible makes it clear that we are engaged in this war, in this battle. Uh, a Anglican bishop wrote th these words about, about 100 years ago, and, and I think it's still relevant today. Listen to what he says. He says, the saddest symptom about many so-called Christians is the utter absence of anything like conflict or fight. They eat, they drink, they dress, they work, they amuse themselves, they get money, they spend money, they go through rounds of formal religious services once or even twice a week. But the great spiritual warfare, its watchings, its strugglings, its agonies and anxieties and battles and contests, of all this, they appear to know nothing at all. Friends, what Bible tells us, and, and Christians of old and, and now, they remind us that we are engaged in a war. We do have an enemy who wants to pounce upon us. He wants to devour us. His attacks are vicious. He's powerful. So our struggles, our conflicts that that we have relationally with our, I don't know, with our spouses or coworkers, our kids, friends. They're not just conflicts of flesh and blood, Paul would say, right? There is also a spiritual component that's that's going on. The, the conflict and the um, racism and hatred, division that we see in our nation and in our world, the, the war that's happening is not just of flesh and blood, Paul would say there is a spiritual component of this, this dark force that's happening around us and even in us. It's, it's, there is a spiritual war. And so friends, think about, think about why we, we don't usually pray this type of prayer, including me. It's because I think at times we forget that we, we are in a war, right? That there is this spiritual battle. And I would say that if you rarely find yourself struggling and wrestling in prayer or agonizing over sin or temptation, there's this great struggle. If, if, you're never, if you don't struggle at all, I would say that possibly you've disengaged from the Christian life, that you are spiritually in a deep slumber, that you're just going with the flow. And there is no conflict or agony or, or any of struggles that scripture talks about. So if, so if that's you, maybe it's time for, for you and, and me, for us to be more alert, right? To be more engaged in what God is doing so that we can begin to pray this prayer. Lord, deliver us from evil. Lord, lead us not into temptation. That we can begin to pray these spiritual Battle types of prayer. Friends, do not be mistaken. We are in a spiritual war. That's number one. Number two, if we're going to pray this prayer, pray these types of prayers, we need to be aware of our weaknesses against certain temptations. Let me repeat that one more time. We need to be aware of our weaknesses against temptations or against certain temptations. Think about your Christian life, my Christian life as well. I mean, why is it that we fall into the same 
kinds of temptations over and over again. The, the things that we were struggling with now, it's the same thing that we've been struggling with for, for a long time. Or we could say for married couples, some of our married couples, we tend to struggle with same issues, right? Fight over same things, whether you've been married for a year or 10 years. Well, why is that? It's, it's, we, it, it sometimes seems like we're living in a, in a cycle, like we're kind of stuck. We are tempted by a particular kind of sin and we fall and we repent, we ask for forgiveness and we repeat that cycle again and again. A while back, I was reading the story of Abraham. And in, in chapter 12, there's a passage where, you know, he is before Pharaoh and uh, he's afraid. He's afraid because his wife, Sarah, is beautiful. And he thinks that because if, if people find out that she is his wife, they're going to kill him and take his wife, Sarah. And so he lies about who she is. He, he says, um, uh, she's my sister. Out of, out of fear and lack of trust in God. Well, that exact same situation happens again in Genesis chapter 20. This is after many years, you know, and, and he's seen God work in, in, in many ways in his life. And yet at the, the, the identical situation occurs and he says the exact same thing. Sarah, my wife is actually really my sister so that he can save his own skin. And you go, what? Like, you know, when I read that a while back, I was like, why is he struggling with the exact same thing? Then it occurred to me that Bible is full of these cyclical uh, downfall uh, and sin of from God's people. I mean, the book of Judges, it's, it's really that. The rhythm is God's people struggle. Uh, God comes and saves them. And they do well for a little bit. And then they fall again. Like the phrase, uh, I think it says, they they again did evil what was what was in God's sight. I mean, that, that phrase is repeated over and over and over again. It's they again sinned. They again sinned. It's a downward spiral that takes place in the book of Judges. And actually the whole Old Testament is kind of that, right? That has this, it has this feel of, man, God, God's people struggle and God rescues them and they fall. Or they 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 uh they praise God and then they fall again. It's it's this cycle that takes place. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, I mean, oftentimes that's how like our Christian life looks like or feels like. We're we're struggling with with saying. Sin. We were, were tempted by same temptations and we fall and we repent and we get up and we fall again and it goes back again and again. Listen to what book of Proverbs says about that. He says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Let me read that one more time. Like a dog, I mean, picture this in your mind, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. And this is really humbling. We are like Abraham. We are like people in the book of Judges. And we are like a dog that returns to his vomit. That's us. How do we break this cycle? It's this prayer. Um, Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. This is when the disciples were about to deny Jesus and, and Jesus takes Peter, John and James and he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into the temptation. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I think he's saying, be aware, like know, understand the situation, know yourself, know the temptation that's about to come and make sure you're alert, right? Be sober minded, watch. And pray so that you will not fall into this temptation. When Jesus is teaching us to uh, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, he's not talking about you need to re repeat this phrase and everything will be good, right? It's not a magic pill. It's not that you say this uh, phrase and you will be delivered from the evil one or you will not face any temptation. No, it's like the, any, any other um topic or theme that we talked about, whether it's kingdom prayer or forgiving others, it's Jesus is saying, pray 
this kind of theme, recognize and know that there is this temptation and you are weak and you need to find your strength in the Lord as you pray. So you're wrestling in your prayers about God's strength to come upon you so that you could be alert and you could overcome. That you're depending on the Lord, recognizing who you are and your weaknesses, understanding your situation, and you are depending on Christ to give you strength through the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can resist temptations that's about to come your way. So if Jesus is teaching us to wrestle in prayer about this, be aware of how weak you are with particular kind of sin. Understand this. Watch. Be sober-minded and pray. So this is what we need to recognize, and this is what we need to know. Lastly, number three, if we're going to pray this prayer, we need to know our enemy and his schemes. Deliver us from evil. Well, another way to translate it is deliver us from the evil one right? That we do have an enemy, but we need to know what that enemy is like. Our, again, we talked about this already. My first point, like we're not this, this life. There is an enemy that wants to see you fall, wants to devour, devour you. Let me read Ephesians chapter 6 one more time. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, what Paul is telling us is that our enemy, the evil one, is not only powerful, but he's scheming, right? He, so the word scheme is methodeia, and we get the word method or methodical from that word. It, it, it's talking about how the devil is cunning. Like he has a strategy. He, we could say, we could even say he's an expert in temptation. He knows human nature. He's scheming. So think about this. He's not only powerful, but he's methodical. He knows like how, like the human nature, how weak we are. And he tempts us. So Paul is saying, make sure you are you, you are aware of your enemy's schemes. What's, what's his main way of temptation? What's his scheme like? Jesus says um, most often in description of the devil, he says he's a liar. He's a liar. He's father of lies and he's a liar. And we see that from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, when, when the evil one tempts Adam and Eve, he twists God's word. He lies to them. In the same way, he does this again when Jesus is tempted right in the desert. He does this again three times. He twists God's word and, and tempts and brings forth lies to Jesus. And how does Jesus respond? Remember in Matthew chapter 4, he says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Right? How does Jesus resist the, the schemes of the evil one? By truth. Like by knowing truth and that's why i think when paul talks about the armor of god putting on the armor of god the first thing that he says is make sure you put on the belt of truth because the schemes of the devil is he lies to us he tempts us with lies and that's what we need the word of god the truth of god to take hold of us so that when temptations do come we are able to stand firm the two ways that he lies about sin is this, right? You know, when we are tempted, what does he say? He says, oh, the sin is no big deal. You know, you're going to be forgiven anyways. Jesus died for you anyways. Just, you know, everyone's doing it anyways. He's minimizing sin. And then what happens? You sin, you fall, and you feel terrible about yourself. And he comes along and he says, you know, what kind of Christian are you? You've, been, you've, you've done this again. God can't forgive you. I mean, do you think God really loves you? What is he doing? He's lying again. He's minimizing, not sin, but he's minimizing God's grace and love, mercy towards us. His scheme is he's a deceiver. He lies. He tempts us. So friend, we need to know our enemy's schemes as we pray this prayer. So again, I think Jesus is teaching us not just repeat this phrase, 
like a magic pill. But I think he's teaching us this is the reality of what's happening. And we need to be watchful. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be alert. We need to recognize the spiritual warfare that's happening around us everywhere. And we need to pray. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for our loved ones, our church, the, the big church. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray that God's kingdom will come. That's what Jesus is teaching us to do. Now, I think how I want to close our time is we talked about how evil one, uh, the devil, is powerful and also scheming. He's methodical. And it almost feels like, do we even have a chance? Do we even have a chance to overcome temptations and, and this evil scheme against us? I mean, do we even have a chance? I mean, you know, Paul, Peter talks about how this the evil one is like a lion that wants to devour us viciously. I mean, do we even have a chance? And I want to say, yes, not only a chance, but Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection, has defeated sin and death and conquered, crushed Satan. It's only a matter of time. So as we take communion, that's what we're remembering, right? That Christ crushed, defeated sin and that death has no sting on us. It's, it, it's lost its power. Not only that, but he's given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us so that we can resist. We can be strengthened. And that's why Paul, in again, Ephesians 6 says, finally be strong in the Lord, right? It's not your strength, but be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. That's the good news. We have a Savior who went before us, who crushed Satan on the cross and it's given us the Holy Spirit so that we might live a victorious victorious life now, knowing that one day Satan, the evil one, and evil will be fully crushed and defeated once and for all. And that day will come. So we live out of that. We live victoriously. So today, friends, I'm going to pause here and allow us to maybe pray uh, just for a few minutes or maybe a minute or so, especially if you are... If you're struggling with a particular sin and you just feel like you're trapped and you're in this cycle, um, know that God uh, has grace upon you and he will strengthen you. you know, 1 Corinthians says this, but no temptation has over overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So shall we go to the Lord at this time and ask for his strength to be upon us? Let's take a minute to do that. Just pray for yourself and then we will take uh, communion together. Let's do that. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we confess how weak we are. Uh, oftentimes we live life um, just doing the things that we're supposed to do without recognizing the spiritual realities of heaven and hell and death and life. Uh, we pray that you would give us eyes to see. Help us to see people through your eyes. Help us to see our situations, our circumstances, and even our own life through your eyes, God. Even though we are weak, we are so thankful that, that you are strong and by your power, by your spirit, we can endure and we can overcome. So we pray that today, as we come to the table, that you would strengthen us and empower us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, amen. Just one quick reminder, you know, it's the whole Lord's Prayer as we end, you know, it's in plural form, right? All the repetition is we and us.
So I think what that means is also as we go through temptations, it's don't think that you're you have to do this on your own. It says, uh, lead us, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one, right? It's we're in this together and we can rely on one another. We can pray for each other. We can keep each other accountable and encouraged. So friends, church, let's do this together. None of us are strong. We are all weak, but we have a shepherd, Christ, who leads us, who strengthens us. So let's uh, read the um, Apostles' Creed, which talks about Christ. And let's be reminded of the gospel. And then we will have communion together. So let's, let's read the Apostles' Creed together at this time. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, Jesus. his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Mary. suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. You will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink from it for the forgiveness of your sins. All right, friends, let's take the body and the blood of Christ and remember his love for us and be strengthened today.
one with every cell by and I die. My soul is purchased with his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Christ my Savior and my God. Let's pray together as we close our time. So please pray with me. Jesus, we're so thankful that while we were so weak and helpless, that you came as our representative to die for our sins and made a way for us to be with you and have a new life. And we're so thankful. And we're also thankful that, that you've ascended to the sky and you rule and reign. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. And you've given us your spirit. The Holy Spirit, you dwell in us. And so together we pray, oh God, as we as we come out of our Sunday worship and engage in this world, we pray that we would be your people, and people who are set apart, and people who are in love with you, people who are racing after you, and people who are engaged in this battle. Give us what we need this week to be good, faithful servants for you. Help us to love others and serve people. Help us to pour out our life Lord, this week for others and for your namesake. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our Heavenly Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Uh, it was great being with you today. Have a blessed uh, Sunday or blessed week. And we will see you next weekend, which is our missions weekend and as well as our baptism Sunday. So we will see you next weekend. Take care, everyone.